Thoth Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Hello, friends and listeners. Welcome to this new episode of the Thoth Hermes podcast. This is episode number 11 of season 4. Today is the 15th of March 2020 and my name is Rudolf. I'm the creator and the host of this show. It's my great pleasure to welcome you back to this new episode, which is called cosmic gnosis and for those of you who are a bit into the gnosic and gnostic systems you will already have found out that david beth the founder of the movement called cosmic gnosis will be my guest today on this show but more about that a little bit later i've told you last time that i will create a new page on the thoth hermes website with all the information where you can find our show, how you can send me feedback, and all of that. I have not yet finished that page quite yet, but I promise it will be done in the next few days. And for the moment, just let me tell you, you can always find that information on the website www.thoughthermes.com That is T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M es.com and you can send me uh, feedback with the voicemail you'll find on that page or of course also through the contact page and an email sent to info at thoshermes.com aren't we living strange times I don't know, I don't normally talk about what's happening out there in the world during the weeks we produce this show, but this time I think it has to be a bit different because this coronavirus thing seems to really get into the lives of most of us at the moment. But the only thing I have to say is we'll get through, we'll find some new ways to cope with life, and I can only wish you all that you will stay healthy and that the financial and economical outcome of that situation will not be too harsh on all of you. In any case, this also gives us maybe more time for ourselves. We stay home more, we can read, we can listen to podcasts, to this podcast, and maybe you haven't heard all the old episodes yet. Might be a good moment to do so. I've talked about finances and I feel a bit strange, let's put it that way, to talk about uh, asking you being patrons for this show in those difficult times. But at the same time, I've invented a new thing there so that you could maybe be our supporters and also help this podcast to survive over critical times. Um, on the Patreon homepage, I created a new tier for you guys which will be at $1 only 
per show. So this is a $1 per show support, which would really be needed, especially in those difficult days, because we all have to save money here and there. And maybe $1 per show is something that you can afford. And it would be great if you go to that special tier, which will only be up during those few months while we need that special support and while probably many people do not have really more than that $1 per show to give. So I would be more than happy to have you among those patrons on this new support tier for those special moments. Thank you for that. Thank you all also for that very nice feedback that I get through those last few weeks. Visibly, some of you have heard my frequent calls for more feedback, for more criticism, for more good thoughts, for more ideas. And there's not much criticism, to be honest. And well, thank you for that. Most of you who write to me are really happy with the show. And that's great. And what I also like is that I have now two or three musicians who have gone in touch with me and who have sent me their music. And not today yet, but in the coming shows, you will hear their music on this show. So, and again, the call to all of you musicians, occult musicians out there who think they have something that they would like to send me, which can then be played on this show. So you would be more more than welcome with that and I'll be happy to play your music on this show. There is another thing that I would like to talk to you about today. Sorry, this intro is a bit longer than usual, but I think uh, we all have a bit more time at the moment. Um, I think that the exchange among the community of the listeners of the Thoughts Hermes podcast could maybe something that should be increased. I'm at the moment thinking about the system where we can have kind of Thos Hermes special exchange channel on one of the social media or something like that. Do let me know what you think about that. Do let me also know if you have a special idea on how to realize that. I'll be happy to follow that up. I'm not uh, a specialist in social media and not a specialist in computers uh, technology but I know quite a bit in my way around and so maybe with your ideas and your thoughts we can together improve something. Now final announcement before we go to start with a little bit of music but that is a very important announcement for me. Um, you might remember the O-Culture Berlin conference last year and the special episode that we did uh, in order to present the program and especially afterwards where my friend Ursula, she made lots of interviews while she attended that show. And we are going to do something like that again. And I'm very happy that we are now collaborating with the London Magical Women Conference 2020, which will take place early June uh, 2020 in London, as it says. And um, Ursula will be again there. And we have now partnered with the Magical Women Conference. I'm very happy about that collaboration. So we will present in late June, I guess it will be a very special episode with a lot of interviews, reports, and maybe also some original uh, recordings from some talks and so on from that conference. So um, 
go on the website of the Magical Women Conference. It's just like that, Magical Women Conference with CK, Magical, magicalwomenconference.com. And have a look about the program. Book your tickets now. It's really worth it. It's a great, great event. Already last year's event was great and this year's even looks better. So go there, book your tickets. Yes, it's in June and hopefully by then most of the troubles with all those travel restrictions and closures of everything will be gone. We all keep fingers crossed for that conference and also for ourselves. Righto. So you might have realized that I'm doing this uh, announcement free without the scripted text this time. I hope that's okay for you. I thought I have done so many intros now. I should be able to do that without scripting everything and just taking a few notes. So I hope I'm not chatting along too much for some of you and uh, that it is all clear and understandable that I want to tell you. Music now. Well, David Bess, as I said, will be our guest on the show. And one of the things that he is very well known for was his uh, Société Voudan Gnostic and uh, my, his collaboration with Michael Berthieu. And of course, that brings me to the idea to have you have some music for you, which comes from that background, Hazy, to be precise. Well, the first piece is directly from Hesi, from a Haitian woman who recorded that song in 2011. The name of the singer is Wina. Actually, that's her artist's name. Her real name is Nadine Narcisse, which honestly I find so beautiful. I don't know why she chose Wina. But anyway, her name, her artist's name is Wina. And we will hear a song which has been strongly influenced by her homeland, Heishi. And the song is called Obue. Enjoy. So
singer and songwriter Wina, very strongly influenced by the music of her homeland. You can tell that. 
great music, I think. So here we come to the interview. And now I first have to tell you, of course, those who have listened to the show last week and who have listened right to the end where I always announce the next show. Uh, I told you, if all goes well, Tobias Churton will be on this show and our guest. Well, unfortunately, not all went well. And that is due to those floodings that are going on in the southeast of England. And unfortunately, our friend Tobias has been suffering from that quite a bit. And we wish him all the best. So we were unable to do that recording last week. But we will do that interview. Uh, Tobias and I are both wanting to do it. And I'm sure you are all looking forward to hear about Alistair Crowley in India at some later point. Having said that, I'm extremely happy to welcome today our guest to this show, David Beth. Davis and I have wanted to do such an interview for quite some time. Um, also, we don't live that far apart from each other. He lives in Munich and I near Vienna. We all have already imagined to do that interview maybe at some point even live with sitting next to each other. But now this time he was available this week to uh, be with me and I'm extremely happy that we could do this interview. And this is also some very special moment, I think, for all of you, because actually this is the first podcast interview that David uh, is giving after 11 years, believe it or not. It has been 11 years. Um, he has decided to take a break in being that kind of public figure, apart from his own readings and his, his own lectures, of course, but he never went on to another podcast since he has done his last interview with my friend Greg Kaminsky on of Cult of Personality in January 2009, believe it or not. So we are really extremely happy to have him here with us today, David Bess, uh, who is, has been one of the leading figures of the Société Vodonostik by Michael Bertu. And he has since then created his own movement, Cosmic Gnosis, which has given the name to this or the subtitle to this show. And well, there are lots of things to talk about with him today. And I won't keep you longer just to tell you that as usual, of course, at the middle of this interview, we will come back and hear, listen to a little piece of music. Again, it will be adapted to what we're going to talk about. And um, the middle of the interview this time is a little bit later than usual. It's after about 39, 40 minutes, because we spoke maybe 10 minutes longer than usual, David and I, on this show, but it was really worth it. Without further ado... Let's go to the south of Munich and talk to David Beth. Here comes the interview. It is a great pleasure for me today to have on the Thought Hermes podcast somebody, well, you and I, David Beth, now everybody knows it. And we have been speaking to do an interview together for quite some time. And even we wanted to meet in Vienna because we don't live so far away. You're in Munich, I'm in Vienna. Uh, and well, finally, um, rather short notice and I'm very happy about that and thank you for for doing it uh, with a few <laughs> days notice only and um, we have come together for this interview and I'm very happy about that so welcome David David Beth uh, on the Thoughts Hermes podcast 
Well, thank you very much. It's a great pleasure. And like you said, uh, yeah, it's been a while coming. And uh, so, yeah, short notice, but sometimes those uh, short notice uh, meetings are the best. So let's see. Exactly. And <laughs> as, we we can live, do. as we live in a period where things seem to change day by day anyway around the world. So maybe that's part of it. Exactly um, well, right. Great to have you, David. And um, I would like to start our talk today with a question that I normally put forward to most of my guests here, uh, which is, well, we know uh, what you are doing, who you are. Most of the people who listen to this podcast have an idea about that you are uh, running the cosmic gnosis uh, movement, so to speak, that you are also very important part of Theon publishing, etc. Um, but what would interest me to start with Where did it all start for you? How did you become the David Beth that you are today? And how how did you get in touch with the occult and with that world at first? Well, uh, I think it's uh, quite an interesting story. Um, maybe a little bit unusual. I, uh, uh, As you may know, I was born in Africa and I mm -hmm. spent uh, a lot of years uh, in Africa as a child and as an adolescent. Uh, my uh, father was uh, working in the um, German embassy, uh, German secret service actually, and but based uh, at the embassies. And uh, so they also uh, always uh, were very uh, much drawn to Africa. So they uh, attempted to live in Africa as much and as long as they could. So anyways, uh, I was born in Angola. And um, during a time, obviously, where um, TV programs uh, and so forth were not very uh, much on vogue uh, or available uh, in, in Africa, at least not for a child like me. Um, I lived in Nigeria uh, later on as a younger child. Uh, I went to school there. Um, so this is where I then um, had to fill my time basically with reading because um, there was no TV, there was no computers, nothing that really um, interested me aside, of course, from playing with friends. So my father had a very interesting and large library. Um, he had, uh, you know, a huge interest in philosophy uh, and especially in um, uh, the religious um, uh, expressions and the uh, uh, religious beliefs of tribal societies. So mm -hmm. um, when we lived in Angola, he would actually go around and, um, you know, uh, collect all kinds of tribal magical items and he would write uh, newspaper articles for Portuguese uh, ethnological journals and so forth. So uh, he had a huge library ranging from Allan Kardec uh, and, you know, this type of uh, 70s, uh, you know, mediumship kind of uh, stuff uh, oh, through uh, Schopenhauer and Nietzsche, you know, ranging then um, right. to ethnological stuff. And so actually, uh, this is what I went through when I was very young. Um, and my parents were very interested and open-minded towards African um, traditions and uh, traditional uh, matters. So we would take a lot of trips in our holidays. So rather than go to Germany or something like this, uh, we would actually uh, very often travel through Africa and attend all types of uh, uh, festivals and, and religious ceremonies. And mm -hmm. we would have people over, um, religious leaders and so on, um, you know, who were, um, yeah, well, coming to our house and stuff like this. So I was exposed. Um, to a lot of um, uh, African traditional religions and um, belief systems. Um, and this coupled with a lot of reading, um, philosophy and so forth, already as a, as a, quite a child, as a child, that less, uh, younger than, than, than 14 years old, actually, mm -hmm. um, uh, was, uh, was something that very deeply impressed me. Um, also things you see. 
um, you know, Africa, uh, if you live there, uh, is a place where um, everyone believes in magic. Everybody believes in spirits and, and, and powers which uh, interact and impact on the human life. And it uh, doesn't matter if you are a university professor or a, a village fisherman. Everybody believes in it, and um, it is uh, uh, completely an integral part of everyday life and the uh, way society interacts. It is animism in, in that in that aspect, probably as well. No, in, yes, you would probably in, in on, on tribal lands, uh, in villages, even more than in in, in in bigger cities. But they also have a very um, in Nigeria, for example. They have a very, very developed, like, let's call it polytheist uh, type of uh, pantheon, you know, the Orishas and, and Ifa and so yeah. forth, and, and the voodoo in, 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 in Benin and West Africa, of course, and, and Ghana and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very, actually, a very highly developed uh, type of uh, spiritual life. And of course, however, it impacts, and we probably will talk about it later as well, how uh, different the approach uh, uh, of an African or of an, an animist or a polytheist in general um, Um, uh, would be uh, to uh, spiritual experiences versus the Western person, the, the uh, uh, enlightened Western person, uh, even within a spiritual interest. Mm -hmm. So, so, so my, so my, my experiences in Africa, like um, firsthand, also seeing how magic works in the lives of people. Like um, we had people work for us uh, who lived on our compound in their own apartments, and um, magic oftentimes played a role there. Like you know, they, 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 the one felt attacked. Like I don't know, the gardener felt attacked by the cook, and um, crazy things happened. People would mm. fall ill, and um, you know, there was no doctor, not even the German embassy doctor, could detect the sickness. And only when we uh, or the police would go into the uh, apartment and ransack it and find like a fetish um, and take it out and um, destroy it. Uh, uh, you know, my father would destroy it. And, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, immediately like the cook who was like literally dying, the doctor would, wouldn't know what to do, you know, would kind of like miraculously recover. So these kind of experiences, you know, um, made me question, um, you know, the nature of, uh, of reality. Um, Well, at the same time, my parents were very um, uh, secular. My father kind of rebelled against uh, his Catholic upbringing. So he was mm -hmm. completely, you know, um, uh, uh, well, he didn't baptize us as children, for example, my sister and I. Right. We never got baptized. You know, we never had to go to church or anything like this. So, you know, we, we grew up uh, in a very secular um, environment besides all the interest in, you know, spiritual belief systems, you know, which right. were uh, another story. Yeah, so this was my first um, deep impression that I received. Uh, and then as a teenager, back in Africa, after a while in Germany, then we went back to Africa, to Kenya. Um, I discovered things like Aleister Crowley, and um, obviously, right? And uh, also, uh, through funny coincidences, I guess. And um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I kind of told myself at one point, you know, um, I would like to say I didn't have like any kind of need, like spiritual need. I didn't feel lonely, isolated. I didn't have like something really lacking in my life. I had a lot of friends, but I always felt, you know, like I understand everybody else's issues when they come uh, to me uh, with all their problems, but nobody really understands what I'm thinking about. It wasn't like I wasn't this kind of it wasn't this kind of like teenage angst or anything. I was having like, you know, you know, I wasn't really a goth. I was more like a rocker dude. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't have that kind of, you know. Yeah, you know, introverted personality. 
Um, but there was always something there where, uh, you know, there was always something inside of me which which prompted me to investigate something further. But more from like, you know, an outside, like a perspective saying, like, let me see if something is there. Let me try some magical rituals. And if I get something out of it, and the good thing is I'm very secular. That's how I thought about myself. Um, I will not be easily tricked by, you know, right. triggering like self-hypnosis, you know, and then like kind of wishful thinking, stuff like this, because there's nothing there. Which it, which could give me anything that I don't have already, or something like this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So I yeah. did so invest. So then I started, you know, with Alistair Crowley's rituals and 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 magic, Golden Dawn, you know, this stuff. Yeah. Uh, just by curiosity, how did you get Crowley's books in Kenya? Was that because you were in that more European group of people living there, or no. was he really uh, basically there? No, can you imagine? Now check this out. Like the first time I heard about Elster Crowley was, um, you know, when um, yeah, I heard Ozzy Osbourne sing about him, you know. <laughs> uh, but before that, you know, I was uh, because I was so secular, and I and I always thought like, especially Christian religion was so 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 silly, you know. I mean, like those childish beliefs, you know, of Adam and Eve, and uh, in in Kenya, you know, in my school, we had a lot of uh, missionary kids, you know, kids uh, right. from very fundamentalist missionaries who really literally believed in Adam and Eve. So. So I would always have kind of arguments with those people, right? And then I had long hair. I was a rocker. And then I would kind of sometimes go and scare the missionary kids, you know, like playing the Satanist. I would always like say like, hmm, Satan is going to take your soul and stuff like this, you know, just to like, you know, <laughs> bad guy. Play around. Yeah, 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 exactly. So hey, then sometimes, yeah, yeah, my father heard it in the embassy or other places like, oh, your son wants, he wants to open a satanic cult. Little did they know what happens later, right? And <laughs> but this was literally nothing, you know. We were just joking around. And um, yeah, so Alistair Crowley was nowhere. So um, I was the only person kind of like interested in finding out more, but not having any chance to do so. So apart from, um, you know, just playing around with what I consider to be like demonology, I said nothing really happened. And then when I... Um, when I was like 17 or something, when I was or 18, when I was about to move back to Germany, um, I stayed behind in Africa to do an internship for German radio uh, there. And um, I went to an Indian bookstore. Can you imagine? Like um, I went to an Indian bookstore, a random place in a mall. Um, and there was like this book that like, you know, like a big green brick. And I just grabbed it. And it was like the Confessions of Alistair Crowley. And I just saw the Crowley there with a the dove, you know, above his head. And um I read like on the back of the uh, of the book, it said like a uh, saint of the Gnostic Church, you know this and that. It like it just ev immediately evoked these um, incredible ideas, you know, like a uh, mm -hmm. saint of the Gnostic Church. You know, wow, that sounds great, you know. And um, so I started to read it. So I was like, uh, my parents already left uh, the country, so I I, I, I lodged uh, at some hundred-year-old lady uh, that rented out a room, and um, she was uh, it was an eerie place as well. So I was like literally holed up there. And in, within a week or two, I read these entire confessions and I thought like, wow, so, I guess like a lot of people in my age then, like somebody actually says the things I'm thinking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. May I ask uh, what, approximately what year that was? Well, that must have been, um, I guess, something like uh, 91, maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. Something mm -hmm. like this. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Early 90s. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was still the, the time when Crowley was not as today, but already quite around, right? 
Well, not, not as I said, not for me. I, I lived in Africa. Nobody knew Christ. Oh, sure, sure. Like in me, and, me and my odd Indian friend, uh, we were the only guys <laughs> with long hair. Everybody thought we were um, lovers. And, you know, while we were just kind of like having long hair and like, uh, you know, Iron Maiden. So, right. you know, yeah. and so we were like the exotic guys with long hair. And, um, you know, uh, and, and nobody knew Alistair Crowley. Crowley was like, a, and then when, however, it was funny. When I went back to Germany, so totally, of course, you know, on that Selima drug, um, I was uh, in in uh, still in, in in high school, um, uh, you know, about to graduate, uh, and and so I was like, um, you know, reading those things, and uh, then I I started to go to university uh, in in Germany. I was doing like the water on my head, you know. I was trying to like balance the water, and you know, doing all those things, you know, that then I found in Crowley's books, which I ordered, sure. you know, through mail order. Yeah. And then I, uh, but I didn't have anybody who like shared my interest. There was nobody in university. I studied um, uh, history. Nobody in university that interest uh, was interested in that stuff. Um, I knew nobody around me because, of course, I came from Africa. I didn't have any old friends, you know, with whom I grew up and developed that same interest. Mm -hmm. So I would write to, uh, you know, those uh, publishers, you know, like silly letters like, yes, hello, my name is David Bass. Um, would you be able to put me in touch with um, the OTO or some esoteric lodges, you know? <laughs> uh, and, of course, I never received a reply. They thought I was a silly boy, and I probably sure. was. Yeah. So no. So for a so for a few years, it was just completely um, independent studies, basically. Um, okay. And you were in the south of Germany then already, or no, no, or actually, no, no, no. Like um, uh, my parents was my parents were still in Africa, mm -hmm. um, and I was in. Um, uh, uh, first of all, I was in Mün around Münster, right, uh, Nordrhein-Westfalen, central Germany, basically mm -hmm. for my uh, last year of school. Yeah, last yeah. years of school. Then I went yeah. to uh, Göttingen to study. All right. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and then I went to uh, then I went to America. Then I got a scholarship for right. America, mm -hmm. uh, like around like mid 90s. Mm -hmm. um, I went to America. And before that, thank God, I had a landlord who was very um, embracing of my esoteric interests. And he was the only he was a Mason. He was like an old uh, Mason in the city. He constantly tried to get me into Masonry. And he was, of mm -hmm. course, excited, like. You know, that my father was like a diplomat and, you know, so like, a, you know, interesting man, interesting boy, you know, like perfect a, match, perfect Mason, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 just yeah. lose the earrings and uh, cut the hair. And then, you know, you feel good. Mason. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, of course, I never wanted to be a Mason, but this guy actually put me in touch uh, with uh, some very interesting people, um, uh, uh, for example, people into Adonism, which I'm mm. writing right now about, right. and which was my, um, you know, introduction into that and some other things. Um which then played a, a smaller role at first, but then I went to America very quickly afterwards. Um, and this is then when I got into the, uh, I found the OTO uh, at, uh, for, the, for the first time in my life. I first found people time. actually were interested in the same things as me, uh, right. you know, on that, on that more, um, you know, youthful level, because the Adonis that I met, they were like literally in the seventies. Um, so, uh, so the OTO people in America, kind of embraced me obviously as a, as a young, um, excited, uh, uh European. And, um, sure. I got my, my first, uh, in uh, initiation and degrees into mm -hmm. like, you know, the magical Salemic, uh, environment, you know? Yeah. 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 
So, and, so this was yeah. that, that influenced you a lot, I guess, the first experience. Well, yeah, so, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in the beginning, yes. You know, however, as many people also, I think, you know, while I I, uh, I was very much um, impressed by the camaraderie that I experienced in America. I have nothing bad to say about the OTO, really, um, uh, uh, especially from back in the days. Um, I had only the best experiences when I was in America. They were very friendly, very forthcoming. Um, lots of people engaged in what they were doing. Um, I just didn't like so much the American way, you know, where you have to like joke about everything all the time. Because for me, esotericism was a very serious business. You know, I thought right. it, was, it was like the arcane and, you know, and then, you know, sometimes I feel, uh, you know, and, and of course, not not all Americans are like this, but a lot of Americans, they seem to sometimes have a short attention span. So you have to crack jokes mm. every couple of minutes, you know, in order to, you know. Because uh, you're used to it, you know, they're used to this kind of like entertaining style. Exactly. What we Germans yeah, yeah, uh, or yeah. we, we Austrians, you know, we are used to this kind of like broody, you know, the yeah. university the same, you know, the master uh, professor speaks to you in that, you know, imposing, boring way in America, everything is more easygoing. So, right, right. yeah, but I, I, I sure. really liked it. But, you know, it was less magical instructions than I would like. Uh, by then, I had read everything that Crowley had written and was publicly available, of course, The Secret Rituals as well. And um, so I was a little bit um, disappointed that I didn't receive um, any kind of um, uh, deeper material or some further instructions rather than just read this, this, this that I already read. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. So, sure, sure, sure. So then when I went, um, so of course, nowadays I know, of course, uh, that, uh, you know, of course, uh, Gnosis and uh, uh, the, or the achieving of the spiritual insights does not always depend on, you know, the new material you receive, but of course, the experiencing and the deepening of the, the stuff you've already read or, you know, the, the experience of the intellectual um, side of yeah. things. Yeah, so, yeah. Then, however, I went back to Germany um, uh, in, 90, in 1998 um, and um, very quickly established my own um, OTO body. However, the OTO body that I had, and I did some degrees, uh, I had an initiation charter, I did some, uh, uh, it was not an OTO body, it was like an OTO body, like an oasis right. or whatever it was, or camp. Mm -hmm. um, but I was initiating, um, but this was just kind of a front for what I was really doing, which was like my uh, developing my interest in the whole demonology and the whole Adonism, which then became very dominant in my life. And like all the rituals and all the magical work I was doing in my lodge or in my, not in my lodge, I just say lodge, in my body, yeah, in, my, in my, yeah. in my body. body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was yeah. You have to be careful these days. It's not a lodge. Absolutely. So, you know, you have to <laughs> celebrate the mass. But, um, yep. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So, but actually, I did a lot of magical work with the people who were, um, you know, a member of my group. And um, we were all very engaged, uh, very young. We we're all in our 20s. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, however, the nature of our work was not really Islamic. It was basically all, um, you know, uh, uh, Saturnian rituals, you know, mm -hmm. um, bending rituals from the Fraternus Saturni and, right. uh, you know, using uh, Adonist rituals. And then I reconnected with the Adonists um, that I that told me to study certain things before they would be willing or able to, you know, uh, guide me deeper. And um, so very... By then uh, we're 80 already now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nearly that, really. I'm not yeah, joking. Yeah, like, yeah, then yeah, I had yeah, an initiation yeah, yeah. experience with them and literally five to five years later the poor old woman was was dead um but um uh, and there were no there were not a lot of artists there was just this was this one woman she was an artist and she had a younger um friend uh, slash i guess it was a lover um <laughs> female lover and uh, these were the artists i knew 
Um, but they were actually um, providing me with some of the papers, which now later became quite available everywhere. And yeah, they also yeah. provided me with insights into how the Ardenists worked and um, mm -hmm. provided me an initiation into Ardenism, which I think I was the only person who ever received initiation into Ardenism since the Ardenists disappeared in 1940. Uh, something, yeah, you know? well, I, I didn't know about your Ardenist background at all. That's very interesting because yes, it's yes, a very absolutely. rare thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like the Ardenists, I haven't really spoken about it before. Because it was just, uh, you know, it was something I did, but I didn't do it. On the, I didn't do it publicly on the surface. On the surface, it was always other, other things. Sure, you know. Um, mm -hmm. uh, because I, I didn't know um, whether I wanted Ardenism to become anything. I, it didn't look like it was very practical to work with in a large environment. And also my life was, you know, I was constantly moving from one place to another. I guess that's the nomadic background mm -hmm. I used to have, uh, right. which never changed. Um, but yeah, so my interest in the OTO and in Salima in itself kind of like started to slowly wind down. Um, I found that traditional um, approach to Crowley and Salima a little bit boring um, and, and a little bit static. You know what I mean? Right. right. And, um, I, 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 do, I do know what you mean. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I, I, don't, I don't also like the Masonic, uh, the Masonic Lodge approach. Um, mm -hmm. I, um, I, have a, I, have a, I have a big appreciation for Masonry, of course, and also for mm -hmm. Lodge type um, uh, work, Golden Dawn, mm -hmm. whatever, you know. I mean, God, these elaborate rituals, you know, make sure, you know, it's a 90 degree uh, turn. Otherwise, the demon takes you, you know. Oh, my God, if it's just 89 degrees, you're done, you yeah. know. Yeah. I, yeah. I respect yeah. people who are really into this. But yeah, um, yeah. I think it's also a problem how, how many people handle it because I I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, also by experience. Yeah. But I think it's also partly because it's it rests on the surface and it's not, so the eight exactly. nine degrees wouldn't wouldn't play any role if it if if you knew why you do the ninety degrees. You know. Precisely. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the external right. shape becomes more important than what it Absolutely. actually is supposed to symbolize. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. So that's that's mm. exactly the experience I've had. Mm. So. Um, so then I moved from uh, cr classical OTO Crowley things to Kenneth Grant. He, uh, I've read him a long time ago as well, but it started to be more interesting. But also I didn't feel like, you know, this is something I needed to uh, uh, pursue in, uh, in, a, in a kind of initiatic way with initiates mm -hmm. that have been initiated there and so forth. Mm -hmm. Although I briefly spoke to the Typhonians um, uh, and later on I became very friendly with, uh, with Michael Staley and so forth, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, who are great, great people. But um, um, yeah, so then I ended up, um, you know, uh, with Michael Bertiu. Uh, this was like, you know, so in my, in my shifting around, like my, my unhappiness with where the OTO and the Thelema that I was um, used to took me. Also, I have to say another thing which actually repeats itself in my life was um, when I was doing the OTO things, um, I quickly found out because I actually entered esotericism and occultism because I truly wanted to transform myself. I truly wanted to find some type of transformation. I didn't have a need for power. I came from an affluent family. Uh, I was very popular uh, with, with girls and with people. So I didn't have anything to gain. Like, you know, I, it's, it's not that I had to gain a life or something you like that. You were not a like, nerd in the corner who No, who not a nerd that. in the yeah, corner. Right, like, yeah. you know, I didn't have to get back at anybody at society and mm. stuff. Like mm -hmm. So what I really wanted, however, was, you know, I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to see how transformation really works. Can you transform? Can you uh, live deeper? Can you live uh, more? Uh, yeah. Uh, can you have another uh, experience of life than the one you have? Um, and this was a, and I was a general, a, a genuine seeker, you could say, right? Mm -hmm. And however, after a few years um, doing what I was doing, I suddenly looked in the mirror and I felt like shit. I haven't actually not been doing what I had 
set out to do. I was suddenly um, playing to the audience. I was suddenly, you know, um, trying to speak to the right people to get the right and degrees quicker in the OTO. I was like, um, I was kind of a golden boy uh, for a while at first because, you know, I was very quickly mm -hmm. receiving degrees. Like after uh, two years, uh, one year, or I had a, I had a third degree initiation charter because I knew the right people in the, in the, in California and so on. Um, you know, and it was like, yeah, you do me a favor. I do you a favor, you know, and without knowing, because we're used, we grow up like this. We don't realize that we Absolutely. slip into that, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. and power is seductive. So then, you know, I was, I was very, I was very, I was very popular. I was liked. And suddenly I realized, shit, you know, I'm actually, um, not concerned anymore about my spiritual progress, but I'm just concerned about how to get the next degree. You know, and the entire the entire um, structure was playing to that tune. You know, so um, I voluntarily um, I never had a problem with anyone. I never had like a falling out. On the contrary, I still have very great friends uh, that are in the OTO uh, or used to be in the OTO. Like the OTO as a body, I think is very valuable, especially to keep Crowley's uh, stuff alive. I have nothing bad to say about them. However, it wasn't for me. It was a structure that didn't support my personality um, because it kind of like um, didn't support my quest for change. You know, mm -hmm. it, it kind of just cemented the things that I find unhealthy, like egocentric attitude and, um, you know, ideas of grandeur that are um, actually insignificant if you really um, pursue the quest. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then I basically, you know, uh, uh, quit what I was doing and um, entered uh, the work of Michael Bertiu. Bertiu. Which I had one question before we go to Bertiu. Um, I guess that about Adelism. Did you meet Hamburger himself still, or, or no, 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 you no. missed him? Was talked missed about him the years sure. then? Yeah, but I don't know probably, when he died. I mean, I have all his all his Adonis papers. Right. But, uh, I think he died in '91. That's why I was okay. Asking, uh, no, no, no. You I could did, have, but yeah. I didn't even yeah. know about him. I think the first time I heard the name Hamburger was probably um, you know uh, in the in the later '90s or something like this. Right, but there was you somebody know? in Göttingen. That's why it ticked when I heard Göttingen. I yeah. think he was called Müller. Is that possible? Uh, a guy who wrote the yes, whole yes, history yes. of Adonism. Then that's right. He was a scholar there. Exactly. I also right. didn't know that. Uh, that I think he wasn't there when I was there. Mm -hmm. So, okay. um, okay. I, like when I was there, when I was in Göttingen, there was nobody is, you know, the Göttingen is an ex extremely left wing, um, Absolutely. city. And, um, okay. so good for me, uh, uh, in some ways, uh, politically and, uh, you know, it was open-minded. Um, but, uh, esoterically it was a dead spot because, um, sure. nobody sure. was interested in it, you know? Sure. So, uh, sure. you know, no, no, no professors, no, nobody. Absolutely. Okay. So Bertiona, but because, because of course that was a, a, a major influence for you and for what comes afterwards, right? For sure. Right. For sure. Mm. So Bertiu for me was like kind of a revelation because, uh, um, I know a lot of people say, you know, you don't, yeah, it's, it's just mumbo jumbo. Like the guy is just tossing uh, things and concepts around and, you know, if you if you at first encounter a stuff and you can see it today, a lot of people get seduced very quickly by, you know, his um, interesting style of writing. Uh, they don't get it, you know, but they like certain parts because it's it's sexual or it's demonic or it's dirty or it's uh, intellectual. You know, mm -hmm. they don't understand anything, uh, but it's, uh, you know, like today, a lot of people, they read a book, the book makes no sense, but it sounds great because, you know, you have those 20 uh, terms, you know, which... Uh, 
you know, gets you going. I don't know, Darkness, Abyss, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, Lilith yeah, and yeah. Lamashto or something. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but basically, um, but basically, uh, I very quickly found out that there was much, uh, much more, um, much more behind that. Mm. Uh, I, uh, maybe through my, um, background in, you know, uh, in African, in African. Uh, I, I was going uh, to say, I mean, yeah. they must play a role in that, in that special. Yeah. However, you know, you would think that Bertie's system is very Afrocentric, but it's actually not. Um, Bertie's system, um, actually is an entirely, uh, Western, um, uh, idealist, uh, nearly neoplatonic type of uh, system mm -hmm. of attainment, much more yeah. closer yeah. to, I don't know. Um, you know, uh, uh, well, I guess uh, uh, Hegel and Schopenhauer than it is to, um, you know, uh, the, the law of voodoo, the traditional mm -hmm. law of voodoo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah. he, he uses concepts from there, from, from voodoo, to explain some of those, you know, um, uh, mentalist uh, realms, the idealist uh, realms that he uh, engages. Mm -hmm. um, and that he does uh, in a very, very, um, well, a unique kind of way. But this right. is not even so. So for me, in the beginning, um, the mixture of um, kind of like Catonic um, terminology and concepts, uh, which he then used to kind of like empower um, basically uh, idealist uh, type of uh, endeavors. You know, like using the base, um, unconscious, uh, you know, um, sexual, erotic, libidinous uh, drives, you know, to empower, let's say, more abstract uh, Uranian, Apollonian type of endeavors. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, kind of like um, I found I found very interesting. Um, but it was still, of course, and I was still at that point caught in a very Western concept of like, um, yeah, okay, the spiritual path is always towards a transcendental. Yeah. Um, it is always, you know, the more, tra the more you, um, become, uh, uh, uh the more you overcome the uh, earthly, uh, material uh, sphere and the more abstract and the more transcendental you ascend, uh, the better uh, you are at uh, the yeah. more advanced it's an uplifting you are thing. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, so this yeah. was still, this was of course still uh, something I was buying into. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, but And then very quickly uh, in the OTUA, because Bert, you and I, we, we hit it off very well. Um, we were very um, interested in talking about philosophy. You know, I was, uh, I, I didn't have many hangups, you know, so we could talk about all kinds of things. Uh, we became very good friends. Uh, I spent many, many months in Chicago. How did, uh, how did you meet? I mean, did you read his writings first and then try to get in touch with him or? Yeah. I, yeah. I was, I was first, I read his stuff, you know, then I became a member. It was very hard mm -hmm. to become a member back in the days because there was basically no activity, you know? Mm -hmm. So it took me a long time to, and then I had to pay a lot of money to get the, 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 the courses and stuff like mm -hmm. this. It was, the, mm -hmm. it was like this back in the days. And, uh, yeah. So then I was, I was studying on my own. The first, the first time I, I studied it, it was like, I looked at it and it's like, shit, I, I paid now like whatever, $500. And this is a bunch of rubbish. Mm. I, I kind of like threw it in the corner. And then months later, it's like, okay, I paid so much money. I better have a second look at it, you know? And then I kind of like, wow, okay, this is really something, okay, you know? Okay. And anyway, you studied in Germany at first or? Yeah, yeah, yeah Germany yeah, at yeah, first. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, mm. and then um, uh, later, you know, I have this idea of like, you know, you do not Im immediately approach a master, um, you know, with your silly questions at first, you know, of course today it's different, you know, but the, the reverence for uh, a master or the reverence for a teacher today doesn't really exist anymore. Like it used yeah. to, you know, yeah. uh, and I, and I, for me, the teacher student relationship was always very important. And maybe that's also related to my African upbringing. Uh, 
you know, and the things I've seen their respect for the elders, you know, um, the way you approach them and Sufism was a big thing for me as well. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, this kind of approach I had towards virtue as well. Um, I only wrote to him when I felt I was firm enough in his work that I could pose some important or interesting questions, not Great. just like, Hey, Michael, what's up? You know, my name's David. I'm the greatest, you know, can you confirm this for me or something? Right. Right. You know, so then we became very friendly by writing letters. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he invited me to Chicago. And from then on, basically every year I would spend two or three months uh, at a time at his place. I would, I would right. live there basically. And then we would do magical work and uh, initiations and so forth. And then, uh, at one point I became the, uh, Uh, the sovereign grandmaster of the OTA right, and the LTA, OTA, yes, which, exactly. which was, yeah. Uh, yeah, something, which was something actually that, um, that, um, I didn't want to become, it was another, um, another, uh, important figure in my life, uh, the, my, my, my consecrator in the Gnostic church, uh, a Spanish bishop, uh, uh, um, younger than Michael, but, uh, 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 a veteran of the, uh, of the, in the field, you could say, you know, right, uh, right. decades older than me. And, um, Uh, he was also an OTO master from the old days and as well as a Gnostic bishop. And he uh, consecrated me as a bishop in the Gnostic church. And then at one point asked me if I was interested in becoming, um, taking the position because we needed someone, the, the order needed someone to take control properly and to, um, you know, work the system and bring it to, to, to a new system, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah and bring yeah. it to a new life because it right. was basically not happening. So that's mm -hmm. then what I did. So my entire, basically 10 years between uh, 19, uh, within 2000, let's say in 2008 or 2009 was basically devoted to bringing a voodoo gnosis back to the table. And, uh, you know, I think but, that's but that a, that's also that, that also brought you as as a person into the minds of many people. I think that was an, sure. a, a time sure. where where your name really started to be known in the esoteric world. Sure, right? because because um, I, I I saw it as my as my duty to uh, you know basically give people an opportunity to connect to what the voodoo gnostic um, environment was like. So I I started to give public. Then I moved to London. This helped, mm -hmm. of course, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, I gave public uh, public talks. Um, I started to do that. Um, you know, I uh, I set up uh, uh, um, an OT. I set up like the whole OTOA LCN organization, the way it mm -hmm. would work with teacher students and so on, mm -hmm. some lodges and so on. So basically, I kind of like reorganized the entire work and basically, of course. Um, try to reform it in a way because the, 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 as time went on. Um, more and more, I was having problems with the whole transcendentalism. I was becoming more and more disenchanted with um, um, the extreme form of um, abstract logic, abstract thinking, um, devaluing of the body, even if you speak about the body, even if you use it. But it was always like, you know, you basically enslave the body and its powers in order to basically um, empower mental yeah. or higher states. It was, yes. it always felt yes. like an escapism. And um, yeah. so, so and, we, and with that, you set aside also all your history, your surroundings, your that's geography it. and you everything. See, exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. this was, yeah. this was yeah. something that never left me. This, this kind of love for the body, the love for um, the, uh, uh, the, the, 
the tangible, you could say, right? The erotic yeah. body. Um, yeah. That, you know, the, the intrusion of uh, spirits and ancestors in your life. Basically, what I was always interested in was the cyclical type of uh, life where, you know, the ancestors, you know, are not dead, but they are alive and they feed the life of the right. living. This is not right. at all, of course, a part of any type of linear transcendental um, type of uh, system. Right. And the OTOA yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah, and, and Bertio yeah. system is, of course, absolutely um, transcendental. So mm -hmm. um, you can see in my when I when I uh, published Voodoo Gnosis, it was already a hybrid. Voodoo Gnosis mm -hmm. still saw it as its job basically to introduce some concepts of virtue, but they were already highly and heavily, um, uh, uh, um, uh, well, reinterpreted towards a more um, yeah you could say they were returned to their voodoo roots at least right. those concepts that came from voodoo you know yeah. so basically i returned uh, or i tried to return um the important aspects of what i consider to be voodoo gnosis back to its uh, non-transcendental roots but then once i did that i felt uh, and those uh, people that are the was were the close basically my nucleus of inner students um, we felt that, uh, of course, the system of the O2A and LCN was so strictly and radically um, transcendental that to reform it, to re basically to redo it, would you know, it would be a, a, an, in such an immense type of work that it, it would make no sense at all because also it was Michael Bertu's work, you know, and I felt that his work should be worked the way he intended it to, and uh, because it is, even if I do not agree with the direction. The ultimate direction, let's call it, of it nowadays, mm -hmm. is still an incredible um, offering of intellectual, transcendental um, type of esotericism in, that you must admire, even for its sheer intellectual um, prowess. Right. So, so then I just decided to. Um, I had done my duty. It was back on the map. Um, I resigned from my duties there and um, I took uh, all my inner students and we moved on. Uh, it says you considered these tasks in these orders fulfilled. That's correct. That's that's exactly how I felt about that. And, um, you know, I have a high sense of duty too. I mean, everyone that knows me for a long time can attest to that. I have a very, very strong sense of duty to students, to my colleagues, uh, to uh, my superiors when I had them. Um, and uh, uh, when I take uh, an office, for me, an office in an order, um, unlike many people that I know, an office is never something uh, that then gives me power over people where I can now, you know, exercise my joyful power. But it was always, it always meant to me a lot of work that I do much more than everybody else. Like, you know, mm -hmm. the higher your position, the more work you got to put in and you and don't the get more responsibility you have, the more responsibility you have. And that is why, you know, I think um, the work I was doing always attracted um, at least uh, uh, serious people who had the same type of attitude. You know, but at the same time, and I have to say that one of the reasons why then I moved on from the OTA, it was not only was it a system that I didn't want to, yeah, well, bend out of shape, you know, mm -hmm. and take it to a place that it wasn't designed for, because, I mean, it is supposed to teach the monastery courses and the Voodoo Gnostic workbook kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but also it had a lot of baggage. It had a lot of you know, people attached to it, you know, which were very unhealthy and in, in even before I even arrived uh, on the scene. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, it, it could, you know, you could, you could sense it in the egregore, if you would like to say, call it, you know, and this was something I didn't, I didn't enjoy. It would attract also sometimes and oftentimes types, which, you know, 
you an aggregate track certain types, you know, which which didn't sit well with me, you know. So um, so many many different reasons came together um, for me to make that um, decision um, to move on, and um, the entire inner uh, inner order um, left with me basically all the mm -hmm. all the students that we used to have, and we still they're still around. So um, however now I guess the OTOA and LCN are healthy doing their own things. And I hope they do well, and I hope they remember uh, my work fondly uh, for what it was. Um, sure they do. Michael and I were still friendly, so, you know, yeah. there's no bad blood, thank God. Yeah. Um, Good. And uh, so, yeah. It was really wonderful to talk to David, and I hope it's just as interesting and nice to listen to him for you, because I think he has extraordinarily interesting things to say, and we will continue like that in the second part of the interview just in a minute. But as always, now there is time for another piece of music. And I thought that this would be the moment for a very special piece that I found, um, which fits very well to what David had to say in the first part of the interview when we talked about his time down in Africa and where he encountered also ministers and representatives of um, even Christian creeds, but uh, all kinds of different religions who would also be very much linked to their ancestors and to their ancestral traditions. And what we're going to hear now is a song, a song performed by uh, a spiritual Baptist priest uh, and his community, a powerful song to call his ancestors and their ancestors. And I think this is a very special piece um, we should all be happy to be able to listen to. Song to the Ancestors by the Spiritual Baptist Priest. Enjoy. Yeah, 
Song to the African Ancestors by the minister of a spiritual Baptist church. Um, wonderful music, I think. Wonderful, more than music, actually. Wonderful spiritual moment, in my opinion. I hope you liked it. 
Okay, let's quickly return to David. We are all already waiting for the second part of that interview and I'm not going to hold you back much longer. In the second part of the interview, we talk more about his uh, movement cosmic gnosis that he is leading nowadays. Well, movement is maybe not the right uh, way to name it. You will hear more about that, what David has to say himself. And of course, we, at the end of the interview, we will also talk briefly about Theon Publishing, that wonderful publishing company that David Beth is part of. And as usual, at the end of the interview, there will immediately be our third piece of music for today. And again, it comes from the New Orleans and Haitian voodoo traditions. Um, it's a meditation music, they call it, to Pagba Legba, Pagba Legba, who is a mighty god from that Haitian New Orleans voodoo tradition. So, but for now, let's go back and speak again to... David Beth. Sometimes, or even often, I would think when something like you just described happens, it's of course because, as you described, the, the group, the egregore moved on to some other place, but also probably you, you moved on to some other place. And yes. you ended up in, I think, what is now called cosmic gnosis. But um, could you... Now, with back side, with hindsight, see what changed in yourself, what what it was in you that moved, that made you move on. Yeah, well, I believe it was the calling of the uh, the calling of the spirits. You know, mm -hmm. you could really call it that because um, I remember also, you know, when I was uh, when I was a younger child in Africa, a very famous Orisha priestess um, told me one day I would be a bridge between Africa and. Uh, 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 the Western, the Western world, because, you know, I would have mm -hmm. both cultures, you know, and I had a strong, uh, the spirits were very strong uh, inside of me and watching over me. So, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, this, this in voodoo, we have this in, in traditional voodoo, we have this, um, you know, the spirits make themselves felt, um, and you can't deny it at a certain point. You know, it, it, in the beginning, you may misinterpret their calling, or you know, you may um, you may you may run away from it in a sense, or you may try to please it by doing things that are not exactly what they want, but you hope it's okay. Um, at at this point in my life, you know, um, uh, also I encountered the work of Ludwig Klages, which what which to me was like an epiphany. Mm. It was like you know, uh, uh, I mean, you know, his his cosmic gnosis uh, or his uh, 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 well biocentric esotericism or 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 you know uh, naturalism or whatever you want to call it was so uh, or life philosophy you could also say right it was so um, profound uh, and guess what Bert you was one of the first who actually introduced me to him right can you can you give our listeners because uh, some of them might know the name but could you just maybe in three lines or five lines because it's complicated i know and um, just tell people what the basic teachings or basic yes basic approach of clarges is 
Holy, oh, wow. Well, that is very, that's, that's like asking me to, to, to talk about Hegel the same way. But that, well, <laughs> very quickly, um, uh, Ludwig Clark is, uh, he was kind of like a, you know, he, he came on the scene in the wake of Nietzsche. He, he, it was like a late, late 19th century, early 20th century, Weimar Republic, you know, before that, uh, before world, you know, around the, between the world wars and, uh, and, and before. Uh, he was in Munich actually when Munich was like a, a very, very bohem center. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, uh, you know, in a very fertile environment with people like Stefan George, um, you know, Wolfskehl, uh, you know, the poet and so forth. And, uh, kind of a, you know, this environment in those, in those days, yeah. you know, post Nietzsche was an extreme, right. especially in Germany and Austria. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, it was an extremely, um, one of the most vibrant esoteric, um, and, 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 and philosophical scenes Absolutely. I've ever, uh, ever encountered, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where you find everything. Um, yeah. so these guys were basically, um, uh, you, you know, they were engaged in Lebensreform, you know, like mm-hmm. life reform. I don't know if the mm-hmm. English word is, is correct for that. Um, basically, you know, picking up post, uh, picking up Nietzschean, um, anti-Christian, anti-establishment, um, vibes, and mm-hmm. uh, developing them further. And Klages was basically the most radical of the anti-Christian right. biocentrics. He rejected monotheism. He rejected um, any type of uh, logocentrism um, and uh, kind of like um, uh, attempted a return to uh, uh, um, a Dionysian life of the soul, you could right. say. Exactly. Right. So, and he would do this, and he would do this by um, in, uh, introducing a type of uh, dualistic uh, Gnosticism, you know, where he posits, posits the soul against the spirit. The spirit and the logos um, are basically the great intruders uh, into the um, into into life itself, into the uh, you know mind and body complex, uh, and kind of like seduces people to uh, think with their uh, deductive, reductive mind. And approach the world in an object-subject type of way, um, yeah, and which divorces them what, from the yeah. Uh, no, sorry, no, no, but but thank you for that because I think that was important and but very clear, much much more clear than you think. <laughs> and oh, and um, I think that's basically the, this 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 fight between the spirit and the soul uh, became also a center of the work that you were then continuing to do with cosmic gnosis, <laughs> right? Precisely, right. because um, because I'm also very interested in philosophy, so I like to use sometimes these more philosophical terms, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's actually um, uh, it's actually a very good way to uh, explain. Um, uh, the process or the situation that we find in the world today, even to people who are not interested in esotericism or spirituality, you know, because I do believe we uh, find ourselves in a world where there is a uh, rampant, of course, capitalism, rampant uh, uh, um, egocentrism. Um, everything uh, uh, in our world is what Clark has actually predicted it to be like, you know. Um, the spirit is basically it for Clarges and also for me, uh, it's mainly it's mainly visible um, in the in the will to power, um, asserting your self conscious identity um, versus um, abandoning uh, yourself to a type of a transformative word of becoming. Uh, the the mind, as Clarges would say, basically um, uh, reduces the flow of the world into isolated moments um, and kind of pushes you on this linear way of thinking. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and this is also very interested uh, in my interestingly, in my opinion, connected to how the Western world sees the self or versus, for example, in, in African societies, 
mm -hmm, and the way mm -hmm, I see mm -hmm. the self. And uh, mm -hmm. for example, for us, if we use Jungian terminology or if we use any type of Western concept, even monism or, or, or monotheism, is we always have the idea of a holistic identity, the holistic self. Um, in Jungian, is like the, the, the unconscious and the conscious They are like uh, they they create our holistic self, and we have to make the unconscious um, controllable or visible to our conscious self. Yes. We exercise yes. the demons, and you know, and right. so forth. So the right. light and the right. shadow, but they constitute what I would call like a holistic uh, type of a complete type of self. And this is what mm -hmm. we take as a starting point. Right. And then all the all the maladies we have, all the issues we have in the world, um, is uh, basically because unconscious issues in our holistic self make trouble. Um, mm -hmm. And the entire spiritual quest nowadays is very often, um, I don't know, uh, rendered into Jungian terms where it's like, well, you know, the spiritual quest is basically Jungian psychology. You just have to kind of like transform your, un you know, your, your inner demons into, you know, um, uh, helpless uh, little lights that you can deal with and so forth. And, that's, uh, full, that's the new age, isn't it? What you it's the new age, here. but it's, it's not even age, that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I've, I've heard, I've heard, um, you know, a, a great, uh, a great Western magicians, a Golden Dawn, and so, and even Thelemites, you know, say basically, really? work, and even Michael Burtius says his work is based on Jungian psychology. Really, you know, mm -hmm. because what what you basically do is you 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 assume, even if you is even if you assume if you go up the tree of life, you assume that there is. There is a transcendental sphere. There is whatever Ayin or something like this, Ayin Sof, mm -hmm. whatever you know, mm -hmm. yeah, the uncreated. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, this 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 source emits the rest of it. You know, mm -hmm. then comes whatever Ketar, and from Ketar yeah. comes you know everything yeah. else, and so on. Yeah. So basically, yeah. it's an emission, and it's everything is reducible. You mm -hmm. know, like the the lowest. Of course, we are the absolutely lowest strata, the material Not strata. Well. Exactly, yeah. and then we have to climb up, and we do this by, of course, understanding. We are also that source. And, you know, the higher we climb, the more we identify with the higher and source. not the lower. Yeah, yeah, and we integrate. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, called yeah. integration. Integration yeah. into some kind of abstract, yeah. higher, transcendental. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and this is the problem to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The problem is that the world is made um, re reductible. Mm -hmm. We do not allow the world to work on us in its immediacy because we, we, we say it's, it's not even real, you know, because we are all mind. So, so the so the the African or the cosmic Gnostic like me, we do not posit a holistic self in the beginning, but we actually say the opposite. The optimal, perfect self is the one that's fluid. You know, in in um, in, uh, in in Voodoo, for example, or in Africa, in various African um, systems that I've encountered, um, <laughs> the self is composed of various different components. There is the ancestral soul. There is a, 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 a certain ancestral spirit. There is a, you know, um, uh, other types of spirit that come and go. There is, you know, all types of uh, puzzle pieces that make up who you are. And there's also one part of you, or there's also like what I consider in my writings or what I call the black hole. It's basically a, a type there's something inside of you that opens up to the cosmos. And in that right. place, things constantly intrude. Something goes in, something goes out. You know, you're constantly connected. Mm -hmm. Spirits come, spirits go, you know, parts, mm -hmm. parts go. And there's always this unknown factor that can um, turn you around. And there's also fate, of course.
Yeah. And then by magic or by, um, you know, by, by divining, you can, um, you know, kind of get to know certain parts of that and you can change certain issues in certain. I was going to ask, you can not only get to know, can you also influence? Absolutely. You can. Yes. But, yes. but, but what it is, is you stay open to the uh, enthusing powers of the cosmos, of the phenomenal reality. There mm -hmm. is no other, there is no other, other reality. I don't know if it was uh, Goethe or, or someone say, uh, there is nothing behind the phenomena. The phenomena in itself are the secret. You know, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. like in, I, I have come to embrace fully for many years now, um, the understanding that the world that we encounter, the phenomenal world is, all the world there is. There is no mm -hmm. transcendental sphere uh, in which we uh, ascend and uh, which we which we encounter or something like this. We all mind. I believe that the phenomenal reality we encounter is ensouled and that these powers can work on us mm -hmm. and we can work on them. And there's right. a, there is a reciprocal uh, type of interaction which allows us to live deeper and I also don't, I also don't believe that there's an ethical, moral type of goal that we have to fulfill in this life. I don't believe life, you know, gives us some kind of great moral goal. Like, I don't know, do this or do that or ascend to God and become, I don't know, uh, you know, float in nirvana or so. Mm -hmm. I, I believe the only evaluation of, uh, if somebody lives a good life or bad life is how deep you really live it. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, to really Drink life as deep as you can and love it as much. To be a yes-sayer, as Nietzsche would say. Right, that's right, what the, right. That's the goal of life. Right. You know, and not, and not right. any type of kind of moralistic goal that some kind of transcendental God imposes upon you. How, how do you see, if you see, how do you see afterlife? I believe afterlife, and there I'm completely um, uh, in sync with the cyclical type of reality. I believe that the soul um, is constantly in transformation in life mm -hmm. and in let's call it death mm -hmm. um now when we are alive in a phenomenal uh, rea reality like we are in the body the soul is connected to the body and basically Clarges would say um the body is the manifestation of the soul and the soul is the meaning of the living body so basically right. the soul is the body and the body is the soul and mm -hmm. the the body anchors the soul and gives it a place to be anchored in right um And the soul basically gives the body the um, ability to extend into the cosmos. The erotic Young, body, yeah. mm -hmm. the erotic body, gives us the tools to um, basically extend ourselves into the cosmos um, right. and into into a visionary this visionary body that can uh, make us uh, uh, experience the cosmos in a certain way that we mm -hmm. are not able to experience in our. Uh, uh, reduc reductive mentality. Right. So, uh, I believe that when we die, the soul is still around. The soul, uh, I believe, is very strong in ancestral cultures. I believe, and if you look at any type of ancestral cultures in the entire world, all the primordial people, whether it's in Europe or in Africa or in South America or wherever, um, they believe even today, of course, um, that the ancestors are still around. Death yeah. is actually not what we believe death is. Death doesn't exist. Uh, there is just life and life just transforms. Death is of course a huge transformation, mm -hmm. but it doesn't transform the, the, the soul of that person into something that like we in, in the West have, we have, we have banded exile crowd clubs with it. We, we exiled it into transcendence. So they're lost. <laughs> but yeah. in, in Africa or here in, in, in the, in my, in my, in my kind of, uh, gnosis, 
um, we uh, understand and we experience the souls as still present. The ancestors, right. um, the just as the enthusing souls of the cosmos, just as like um, the demonic power of the sunset when it, when we abandon ourselves to it, just as the uh, powers of a, of a, a spirit. Mm-hmm. They are still around and influence our lives if we have the capacity to experience them right. through the soul. Right. And right. the soul is the instrumental magicum, which actually allows us to connect to it. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, that, so, that so basically, weird, yeah. I, I believe in eternal transformation and eternal change. Yeah. And, um, and the souls never die. So I, I'm not afraid of death because I don't, I don't feel I'm going to die. And this is the problem with the holistic self. The holistic self is so panicked in this linear life that it will lose its existence. The, sure. uh, the, the self-conscious, sure. the self-conscious being that lives through the mind rather than the soul mm. and never understands like what the romantics called night consciousness. When you actually experience the constant transformation of your soul, uh, then you, of course you live in that headspace where, you know, you are only that self-reflected being that isolated atomized individual, the individuated um, thing, which mm-hmm. is constantly afraid to be shattered. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and that is why yeah. I also believe in the Dionysian shattering of uh, yourself before you can actually do magic. You know, yeah, yeah. You need to shatter your eye. You need to, you need to trans, you need to transgress against yourself. You need to bring it down in order to, to break the shell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and erupt yeah, with yeah, your demonic yeah. body, uh, yeah, in order yeah, to truly yeah. break through to a, to the world of mm-hmm. souls. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you need to leave your little island of light, you know, right. and which you keep you, which you constantly try to keep safe because the encroaching shadows, you know, um, uh, will basically, of course, um, threaten that stability and that wholeness mm-hmm. but if you understand that basically actually that uh, world of shadow um and i don't mean it in a dark evil uh, you know childish way it's right. your home in, yeah, yeah you know yeah. you 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 don't you're not afraid of shattering that uh what you're shattering and in and in and just to, just quickly be, be before you probably want <laughs> to inject um it's uh, uh, and it's important to understand when when for example in logocentric um, uh, transcendental system of spirituality. They speak about like, oh, we have to. Uh, oh, the the, the eye uh, uh, dies. They always think, um, you know, it's actually the spirit which is liberated from uh, the body or the spirit or uh, basically now uh, rules the soul. But it's actually not that. It's the spirit. It's that conscious, um, reductive mind which has to be collapsed Absolutely. so that actually yeah. the soul and the body can uh, reattain to their true status and power. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. the big difference to any type of spiritual system um, I have encountered so far. Right, right. You Don't know. worry, I'm not going to interject. Um, and I knew we were going to be a bit longer today than we usually are on this, on this, on this podcast. And I'm perfectly happy with that because there are well, we have to come also to Theon Publishing, of course. But before that, you have to answer me two questions. Um, one, you just said um, my type of gnosis. Now, gnosis is probably one of those words in the occult and the Western esoteric tradition, which has been used for the most different kinds of um, options Terrible. and interpretations yeah. that you could possibly uh, think of. Um, can you try to tell us what your type of gnosis means so just to it might be difficult i know but maybe just yes. to give us an idea what how you would define your gnosis 
how I would define gnosis in general, what gnosis is, or my cosmic gnosis in general. Uh, I guess uh, because I, we've already talked about more or less the cosmic gnosis. In no, a, a I, mean, I mean more than gnosis, gnosis yes. as such. Yeah. Yes, I, I think that's important. And you're right. Of course, it's a completely inflated uh, term at this point. Um, yes, uh, I would say gnosis is, of course, especially to me, it is something that is not um, attainable by rational mental activity. It is not something you can possess by um, knowing it rationally. Mm -hmm. It is something that you have to experience internally. Mm -hmm. Gnosis is something, Gnosis is like a knowledge um, which is, uh, uh, which is uh, something that you know and experience with your entire body. Um, a consciousness which is not related to uh, the mental rational faculty, but uh, the body and the soul as a unity. You can, you can. It's 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 smell, it's taste, it's mm -hmm. it's a holistic experience of something that then, when you experience it, um, gives you a sure certainty of that what you have experienced, and then maybe you can relate it to a concept which you have read or studied. It is never the concept itself. When I try to explain to students um, things about the cosmic uh, 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 system, um, you could say, then, of course, I try to um, give metaphors and analogies, and I try to bring them to the point where when they experience it, they can come back and read it and say, like, ah, that's what he means. Or, mm -hmm. okay, this is where it, or this is where it, hints at it's something that you can only point at it's something that mm -hmm. words cannot make you make you know right maybe right. something like this right very yeah very good very clear well, thank very you. clear and my my second well and probably last question for today about cosmic gnosis before we go to the publishing part of your life um if somebody and I'm sure there are, is interested in what he hears today and wants to go further, wants to maybe join or whatever you would call it, right? How, what would you suggest? What should that person do? How should they, how should they well, go for it? Well, uh, we are, we, we are people, we are, we are not looking for people uh, specifically, like you can actually study with us if you want to, mm. but um, it's something we, 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 we like people who are, who know that when they want to study uh, our work, they have to be dedicated. They have to spend uh, time and focus on it. Mm. Uh, there's this probation period. And uh, we are, uh, we also expect people to meet at a certain time in a physical way. There's a teacher student relationship um, where so there is, it's demanding um, and it's, um, uh, and you can, I'm sure you have the links up. Uh, I'm sure. So there, there will be a link when they follow it and they will find, they can find a, a point to a place to write to, and then one right. can take it from there. And of course there are, um, I'm, I'm actually in the process of finishing a book, uh, which is on Adonism actually, but it's actually my interpretation and my work that I did with Adonism, which is basically mm -hmm. a, a cosmic Gnostic uh, interpretation uh, and um, an empowering of Adonism. So it's basically, it's, it's a book that I would recommend reading. Good. <laughs> Apart from maybe uh, Cosmogonic Eros, which we published with... Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. publishing, yeah. we're going to talk about. Absolutely. Now, we, that was the perfect link. And of <laughs> course, just to say that before, of course, all the links are going to be up in the show notes as usual. So if somebody's interested, they should go there and take absolutely, it from there. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, so we, we, we are available, but we are not fishing. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, of course, yes. Um, so Theon Publishing is probably now has become one of the most interesting publishing houses, independent publishers, I'd say, in that field, in the field of the Western esoteric tradition. And mm. so uh, what's your role in it? How did it all start? And uh, what did you what did you give the idea or the necessity to to do your own publishing house? It's work after all. It's a lot of work <laughs> and uh, it's a lot of work and it's uh, you get you get a very little return for the work you do. Let's put it this way. Right. If you don't right. love it, you know, yeah. don't do it. You yeah. know, and that's what yeah. I learned from uh, from from um, my friend Robert Ansel from Fulger, whom I pl published with uh, before, and I was extremely happy. Mm -hmm. uh, he was he's a, he's a, of course he's the the, the Grand Duke of uh, of um, uh, talismanic publishing by what he did for I right. don't know how many decades now. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, but my my reason to start the publishing was uh, because uh, um, I felt that. Uh, I wanted to read a lot of stuff that I never found anywhere, you know? So I, I thought like, hmm, you know, um, uh, uh, what type of books do I like to read and where do I find them? And I couldn't really mm -hmm. find them, but I knew that they were out there and I knew that people actually were writing some good stuff that, however, um, I wasn't sure uh, would find a publisher or that publisher would be a little bit hesitant to publish, you know, either because it was too radical or it was too, um, you know, demanding or because it was too whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, the publishing, I would I would describe not as as, as a serious uh, and sophisticated occultism uh, or, or or esotericism is not. We don't do really a lot of easy books. You know, We're the not, books no. are quite. Yeah. We have a lot of like I would say like like sixty seventy percent of the people that publish with us are actually uh, they have like a PhD. Uh, not that that's needed to write sophisticated books. I mean, I don't have a PhD, but I think st I can still write sophisticated if I want. You can, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but 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 I like I always enjoyed books who bring something new to the table, who are very sophisticated by the way they present their uh, material. Where mm -hmm. you know you can't punch a lot of holes into it. I, I can't right. even today. You know it um, as 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 well as I. There's so there's an inflation of publishers, and they all play to an audience. It's like and and if you if I read the shallowness, I mean, 20 years ago these people would have never been able to publish a book. Right. You know, it's like, you know, you read one, you read something on, on page three and on page five to co totally contradict the, uh, mm -hmm. what they have said before, but nobody really realizes this. You know, nobody mm -hmm. re realizes mm -hmm. those, those plot holes or those, those logical True. errors because True. also the audience in large parts is extremely shallow. So, um, I wanted to publish something, um, which is for people who enjoy, um, deep investigations. It doesn't have to be a long book, but it has to be pointed. It has to be a, a deep book. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I yeah. love. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and, um, so this is how it started. And, uh, um, uh, I'm glad to have Jessica, whom you know as well, um, of course, yeah. as a, Jessica as a long been on our occult yeah. culture, uh, show from Berlin. Yeah. Exactly. And then she's a, she's a, I mean, she's been a long friend. I've, I've known her now for a long, long time, lo mm -hmm. probably, probably the longest, longest uh, good friend I have. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, she does a lot of the stuff I can't really do as you, as you know, as you saw before, I'm not a techie, you know, I can't, I can't deal with all those, uh, I consider it nerdy things, you know, I'm, I'm already artist uh, yeah. that's in a headspace of mine, you know, so right. she, right. she's, thank God takes, uh, all those, uh, uh, all those sides of the business. Uh, uh, no, she's the, also a very active occultist herself. Oh, of course. Right. She's a, right. she's a, I mean, I have to say, uh, she's a, she's a, an incredible and inspiring woman, mm. um, who, 
at the same time is so kind as to take a lot of weight off my shoulders when it comes that, to things that, I hate to do. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And, uh, yeah. That's right. No. So, so that's what we do. Um, mm -hmm. I, I basically, um, you know, do editing and deal with your authors and, uh, you know, uh, discuss the, discuss the content a lot. Um, yeah. what yeah. he is the technical side of things, uh, while also oftentimes of course is consulted for the, um, right. content part, of course. Uh, right. Know? Right. And, and um, Yeah. I think we may say as as much that uh, in the not so far future, we're going to present one of your upcoming books and authors who might not be so well known, but we, I'm really excited exactly. to, to do that interview with him, but we don't say more for the moment. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's going to be, that's, that's, that's something very yeah. interesting. I think yeah. he's, he's quite yeah. well known in America, yes. but, uh, yes. but uh, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very nice for the uh, European uh, audience for sure. Absolutely. To hear more about it. And yeah. the, the books that you're doing, that's also, I, I wanted to, to, to ask you that because um, others do that as well and I am curious about your answer um, the books that you produce they are not only their content is nice but they are also real objects and yeah. it that relates for me very much to what you just said before that we have to be also in our bodies so absolutely for you Does a book also have that kind of body absolutely. experience? Absolutely, yes. I mean, uh, that's that's exactly right. For me, as I said, if the body is the uh, if the body is the expression of the soul, and I even believe that, of course, uh, objects like a book or uh, a tree, but a, a book. Mm -hmm. Let's just take a book. It's a, it's a man-made object. If you right. create an object um, through an impulse that came to you from a more soul-based experience, let's say mm -hmm. of re of reading a book. So also, Jessica and I. We only publish books when we read the manuscript that we like. We we do uh, refuse a lot of manuscripts, even if they are quite good. Yeah. But um, if we don't love it, because I'm a person, I can't do work that I don't like. So I can't work on a manuscript that I don't like. It's just sure. it's just not in me. Sure. Sure. And I, and and thank God, you know, it's we're I, I'm not we're not so um, financially needy that we have to take every project uh, that we that we come across. So it has to be a book I love, and then um, I try to give it. Together, of course, with the author, we, we, we usually, of course, try to do this as a group uh, decision, what we do and how we do it. Um, but for me, it's very important to create a body um, or to embody literally what the living gnosis of this book um, is trying to convey. That embody is a very good word for that, I yeah. think. Absolutely, absolutely. So we have, of course, those very fancy, uh, luxurious editions where these are really talismanic, in my opinion, because there mm -hmm. goes a lot of thought into every detail. Um, mm -hmm. And even, however, the standard um, editions, which are hardback, we always still try, of course, to bring it as close to that um, embodiment of uh, a demonic energy so that when the people read it so not only is it a intellectual experience or maybe a, a gnostic experience through reading it but also through touching and through interacting with the complete product body and soul absolutely no and it's i, I really i mean i i have one you know that one here in my hands ketonic gnosis oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> which is which is really uh, uh, I, i it's a great book yes absolutely i do love it i do it and the benighted past is also something that i really that's also one of my favorites i really liked uh, i mean i don't unfortunately not don't know yet all of them but uh, maybe ah you will <laughs> yeah, um, no, no that's great benighted pass is one of my favorites richard gavin is an, richard an incredible, gavin, absolutely. Awesome, incredible absolutely absolutely yes well david um 
Last question for today, I may say. <laughs> Last question. Um, I always uh, am curious to know my, about my guests' uh, next plans. What, what do you think where the next few years will carry you? Where are you going, if you know? At least what's your plan, where you want to go? And uh, where would you like to be in five or ten years from today in your work, in your, in your, in your particular work that you're doing? Well, um, I've never been uh, one to make big plans, but um, I just hope that I can finish my book that I'm writing right now, which uh, I'm not far away. And if Corona and uh, all kinds of other issues are not, uh, you know, um, breaking my legs, uh, I hope yeah. to finish it in the next couple of weeks, uh, which is a, um, a very exciting project for me. That's um, one on, on Adonism. On Adonism, which started yes. out as a very small uh, project, but now it has become much bigger. So, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm nearly done with that. So, um, however, uh, on the other hand, um, I just I just like to devote my time to my students uh, and to the uh, the people I work with uh, uh, on a very intensive basis, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, to continue developing this type of uh, uh, intimate uh, esoteric uh, relationship I have with uh, the people I work with and uh, see um, to see them uh, develop and to see them find their own inner uh, inner power. So for me. If that is if that is what I can continue to um, experience and um, participate in and be a trigger for, then that's what I want. Uh, that's that's my goal. I, I, I and I hope to publish some great books with Cian Publishing, and I we already have some great ones lined up, so I'm not uh, in doubt there. Absolutely. But yeah, basically my concern. The thing is, you know, uh, 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 I have I have um, I'm in my. In my center, you could say, I have achieved what I have. I'm, it's like the Sufis would say, I'm the, I'm the well of water and I'm offering water, you know, to the travelers that come to the desert. And if mm -hmm. they want to drink, I'm here. If they, they drink, they drink. And um, I'm happy, you know, uh, to dispense the poison, as Nietzsche would say, not the gift. <laughs> and uh, um, and that's and that's and that's basically uh, my plan for the future. No, nothing, nothing more than that in in mm. regards to my 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 esoteric work. Just basically stay like a ship on the ocean. Whether, wherever the wind blows me, I will go. Amor Fati, my friend. That's that's uh, my that's my uh, motto. Uh, yeah, very good. So well, we all wish you that those that this path is to be going to be the one that that will the wind will blow you. And um, well, thank you for that very interesting time that you have spent with us here today. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for sure. having me on your show. I love your show. So. Thank you. That's very kind. And, and um, no, it was great to have you. And um, well, good luck for all your plans and all upcoming news. And good luck with the difficult times we may be going through all of us. But I'm That's sure right. we all. That's right. Uh, there, we can, we there, can wing it. Absolutely. I'm sure there is some catharsis at the end. Absolutely. <laughs> There always is, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, David. And all right. Thank you all so much. You. Thank you. To you too. Take care. Bye bye. Azunke parim legbahe, azunke, azunke parim legbahe, parim legbahe, mais l'argent casse washo, azunke, valé le parim vodou legbahe, azunke parim legbahe, eh, azunke, azunke parim legbahe.
Meditation music from the Haitian and New Orleans voodoo traditions, where Papalegba is a mighty, what they call loa, a godhead, seen as an elderly black man with a cane wearing a straw hat and either smoking a pipe or sprinkling water upon the ground, accompanied by a black dog sometimes. Right, um, so that brings us after this great interview with David Beth for which I'm very grateful and many thanks, David, for your time and, and how your interesting participation in this. Um, this brings us to an end of this week's episode of the Thoughts Hermes podcast. Um, once again, I thank you all that you have been with us today and hope you enjoyed just as much what David had to say. And also the little other bits that uh, were presented here. Um, this time 
I am not going to announce you who is going to be our guest next week. Um, believe it or not, but the coronavirus and all its things that happening in people's timetables and in my timetable altogether make it that um, I don't want to announce something that I'm not absolutely sure once again uh, what is going to happen, which will be the theme and who will be the guest on our show next week. But there will be a show, that's for sure. I have always one or two things in reserve and pull them out when necessary. But um, just follow my Facebook or Twitter page or even on the website thoshermes.com and you will find out as soon as it is fixed what will be the show next week. In any case, next week will be episode 12 of the season four of the Thoth Hermes podcast. And it is great that you are following in always increasing numbers. Once again, I would also like to point out that talk to other people about the Thoth Hermes podcast. If you like it, the more people we get to listen to this show, the easier it will also be for me to get some corporate sponsorship, which I'm trying to do now. And that would be nice if you help me with just spreading the word and tell people, listen to this. It's great. Well, I hope that's what you think. It is great to have you with me here. Thank you for being today with us in those strange and difficult times somehow. I... Hope you will be back and all healthy and safe next week again. And for now I'm saying to you, take care, stay tuned, hear you soon.